0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. Isn't it good to be in church this morning? Come on so good to worship thank you worship team for leading us wonderfully in worship well it's so good to have uh pastor danny and sharon uh, Guyamuchi who are with us today amen can i hear an amen it's like they're part of the family and they are related to some of you they are part of your family actually danny and i are kind of related we share some cousins and stuff, so there you go. Uh, Danny and Sharon, as many of you would know, are the founding pastors of Edge Church International, a church with uh, a number of churches in Australia and also around the world. Um, Danny's a powerful speaker uh, whose desire is to see people grow and leaders grow. has uh, been a great encouragement to this church and also to me personally. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to hear from uh, or to get information and knowledge from people that have gone through difficult times or how to get through a difficult time it's another thing to hear someone who's been through the fire and got to the other side and you know pastor Danny and Sharon have been through some challenging times in recent times and um, I know that God is going to speak to us uh, this morning I know and so I just want to encourage you to open your hearts uh, and allow uh, the Holy Spirit to speak to you would you give pastor Danny a big welcome as he comes to share this morning amen
1: Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Good. Part of me wants to start to talk like this, you know? <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> because uh, I was in the Italian service, the earlier service, and, but I had to work with an interpreter because I didn't know whether I would end up speaking Calabrese or Siciliani <laughs> or Napolidani, but I am going to learn my Italian, and some other time it will be in Italian. And so it's an honour to be with you, and I, I tell you from my heart this morning, during that worship there was such a sense of faith in the house and I felt a download from heaven that I want to just quickly pass on to you before I share not a sermon today but our own life story of the last three years. Not to draw attention to ourselves but to be an encouragement to you and to all of us because we all live at the same address sometimes. We all go through the same challenges. I hope you don't mind but this morning I've got some of my friends here who are going through challenges and I'm deeply moved that my friend Peter's here this morning and his wife Maria, Uh, they own the little Italian place next door. And we're going to pray for you today that God will do a miracle in your life because you're believing for a miracle. I've had other friends here this morning that have come for the first time and I want to tell you, God is good and he's good all the time. What I felt during the worship is for many of you today, is going to be a coming home to hope again. It's going to be a coming home to hope. Some of you are needing fresh hope. You're needing fresh energising in your soul. And at the end of the service, we're going to pray to our amazing God. I can't believe that since 2016, when our son passed away, and I will share that story in just a moment, that I've been around the world sharing from our pain, I remember one day just feeling I will not waste my pain. I don't want to bleed, but I want to bless with our pain. And in one church in South Africa, Johannesburg, I prayed with over 300 people in one service of a church of several thousand who had lost their children, 300 people. After the first service this morning, I spoke to four people that had lost their kids. And I want to tell you, we all pain. We all go through stuff that at times we don't understand. But isn't it good that during a worship service, this word drops into my heart. It's a coming home to hope today. So I'm going to pray that that will be your story because I'm tired of sermons that have the wow factor, but they don't have the what factor. What can I take home that can work for me? And so I believe with all my heart, that it's a coming home to hope today. We're going to pray for as many of you that want to be prayed for today. Not that we carry anything, but God is with us in the midst of the storm. I love that song we've been singing. Pastor Joe and your beautiful wife and family, I just feel to say to you this morning, there's a new season of favour coming. I see a picture of rain. And during the worship, I could see the rain. And I felt God say this a new season of favour and what took you a year to achieve will only happen in a month. And sometimes there comes in all our lives reversals where God puts a dream in your heart and he reveals that dream and it seems like everything goes in the opposite direction. And you go into a reversal, but my Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. It's one thing to be called with the revelation that something's up ahead, but it's how we handle the reversals that prepare us for the release of that incredible dream and what I felt during worship and I always pray that during worship if the worship is not plastic or just a show and thank you team in the early service even the ones that couldn't sing Italian were singing Italian. (laughs) I was impressed and then found out they didn't know what they were singing about and I thought wow that's pretty pretty powerful. And what I felt, Joe, and your team and this church, is that you've been found to be faithful. It's time for a release of more fruitful at a level like you've never seen before. And the word of the Lord is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to strive. You don't have to try to make it happen. It's going to come out of rest. There are times we are restless as ministers because we want so much for things to go well for our people we shouldn't be ministers if we don't want the best for our people because you can't lead what you don't love and you can't lead what you can't read. If we can't read where people are at, how can we lead people from where they're at? And there's been times when you've just been faithful because you knew that's what God had called you to do. But there's a fruitfulness coming that you're going to sit back and go, well, only God could have done that because we ain't not doing anything any different. And so church, don't just support the vision this morning partner with it there's a difference between supporting and partnering and as you partner together there's just something about to happen in this place that's been in the soil for a long time and there's been prayers that have been prayed over many years and sometimes we watch generations come and go but he's a generational God and each generation must declare anew to the next you're going to see a new generation of teenagers and young people rise up under your leadership that are going to carry a holy anointing, that are not going to be carnal. They're going to be lovely, creative, intelligent, world-changing young people and yet not going to be embarrassed about their faith in God and their trust in God. So there you go. I just pray that makes sense to you today. I want to thank you this morning for your love and prayers. I'm going to try not to get emotional. Over the last three years... Sharon and I have been on a very interesting journey, certainly not an easy journey, but I have some of my cousins here today who have been on our doorstep pretty well all the time through our tears. I just want to thank you today for being there for Sharon and I. Pastor Joe, you've rung so many times and just so many people in the church. I've had more lasagna invitation nights, so I don't know how I'm going to go with my body shape, but anyway... They say for Italians, if you eat lots of garlic, you'll look skinny from a distance. So... (laughs) But I do want to thank you. The jokes don't get better. They're called dad jokes. You know, I always say the dad jokes I can get away with because of my age. You know, I went to the doctor the other day and I said, Doctor, you've got to realise obesity runs in our family. And the doctor said, no, sir, nobody runs in your family. (laughs) And so... I'm trying to prepare myself so that I don't get too emotional, but I want to thank you for your incredible support over the last three years, and I'll share a little bit of our journey, but I guess going back to my younger years when I was trying to discover what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, I was sometimes confused. I was raised as a young child to believe that if you didn't wear makeup and if you only wore certain types of clothes, then God would be happy with you. And if you didn't dance or, you know, if you didn't do this or if you didn't do that. And I knew a God of all the don'ts. But I didn't know a God of the do's and what I could do to be accepted by him, to be a disciple. And so over the years, I've heard all the different interpretations of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I found three Evidences in scripture that I think are what's carried me, my wife, and our family over the long distance. I want to finish my race strong. I don't want to just start my race strong. I want to finish my race strong. The three evidences I find in scripture of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus are number one, love, number two, continuance or remaining. And number three, fruit. In John 13, 34, it says, I'm now giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for each other will prove to the world, not the music we listen to, even though those things are important or the clothes that we wear. By this, your love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The second evidence of being a disciple is this continuing to the end or remaining found in John 15 verses 7 and 8. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Of course, if we don't remain, we don't produce fruit. In 1983, I went to Bible college and all of us heard the same Old Testament survey messages. Pastor Greg Johnson was my, one of my pastors in the youth group. He's a wonderful man. You're going to enjoy his teaching. I remember the day when we were sitting in the class and Pastor Bill Hilbig, our Bible lecturer, teacher, principal, started to read from the life of Jesus and started to cry. We all started to cry and fell off our chairs onto our knees. And for the next two hours, something very powerful happened as we all had our own individual revelation of what Jesus really meant to us. Sadly today, half my class are not even Christians anymore. Many don't even follow God anymore. How do you start in love? How do you start a journey of continuance and then give up and then stop bearing fruit? And I know that when God called me to the ministry, it wasn't something I wasn't, that I was looking for. I worked in a menswear store in Victoria Square Arcade and for some of the older people in the first service, they still probably have the trousers I sold them. <laughs> Back then. I had a little Italian man come in one day. He couldn't speak English very well and uh, he wanted to buy thermal long underwear. And he goes, Hello. Do you work in this shop? I said, yeah, I do. So he goes, "Me got to Italy for holiday. It's very cold over there. Do you sell underpants with the sleeves? I was happy selling underpants with sleeves. There was a new trend. Yet, the call of God came. Did God know my son was going to die? Did God know that one day one of my other kids would go through horrendous challenges? Did God know that one day I'd be diagnosed with cancer? Did he know that when he called? I remember when our son passed away. I felt this little thought come into my mind. I knew you were going to go through this and I could trust you to handle it he never puts anything on us we can't handle. It didn't feel like I could handle it. The pain was so severe, and I'll talk about that in a moment. You see, love is the fruit of being a disciple until it gets tested. See, everything we hold dear to gets tested, whether it's in relationship to God who didn't answer that prayer you thought he was going to answer, Whether it's in relationship to people you thought you were going to do life with and now they're no longer in your life. Is the love still there? It's a sign of discipleship. I realise that continuance is great when everything's going well. Ever since I was a little child that I could understand a little bit about God, I knew that His favour was on my life. So where did the favour go when our son died? Where did the favour go when I was diagnosed with cancer? I've even had ministers ring me up and saying, this is not right, this shouldn't happen. But I never came to Jesus because of what he does for me. I came to Jesus because of who he is and what he did for me on the cross. If there was no cross and there is no resurrection, we're all, I'm trying to think of a nice word, we're all um, stuff it up it. We're all in a mess. But I thank God for those of us that aren't just churchians, but Christians. A churchian is a churchgoer. That's better than nothing. But a Christian is a Christ follower. A churchian is easily offended. All oh, for Jesus, I am offended. <laughs> a Christian is easily extended. Because no trial that comes our way has an effect on us if we see God's purpose in it all. You see, a lot of people are not in church. If everyone that was hurt by the church was back in church today, we wouldn't have room. Discouragement, disappointment, and then the desire to detach. And then we stop bearing fruit. I think for me, the worst was three years ago at the passing of our son, Chris. I'd like to put a photo up. If I look at it myself, I probably will cry, so I won't look at it. Toughest day of our lives that I can remember. How your day can start in the morning while you're preparing a sermon. In colour, full colour. And by two o'clock in the afternoon, your life is in total black and white. And you think, how did we start the day like that and end up with this story? People ringing up and telling me they were sorry. I hadn't heard he died yet. It was a horrendous day on January the 22nd, 2016. I thought I would never, ever survive it. Two days ago was his birthday. Just recently, I went to his graveside and just wept and wept and wept because the pain is very, very deep. I can't promise you today that your Christian walk will take away the pain. But I do know someone that can walk with you through that pain. Understand that pain and even give a level of purpose because I don't live for today. I don't live for eternity. I live from eternity. You and I live from eternity. We try to live on this earth as if this is it, but the last time I checked, we're all going. Whether it's younger or whether it's older, if there is no eternal hope, then life has no hope. Life makes no sense. And I remember a short time after Chris passed, I made a decision I will not waste my pain. I won't bleed with my pain, but I will bless with my pain. Our lives will never be the same again. I remember and I hope this honesty can not offend you today because we've got to be honest. We've got to be real with our brokenness. God's attracted to our brokenness. He's not put off by it. He doesn't like our pretend. Faith is not pretending that it's not happening. I wished Chris was still alive. I wish I could hug him. Two days ago was his birthday. I listened to his son who's now 17 driving a car. And dad's not here to be proud of him. Breaks your heart, you hear his voice and it sounds just like his dad. I was telling the early service shortly after he passed. The kids came to our house one day and his son Elijah was only nine at the time. He walks in, he's got his dad's hat on, the same hat you saw in the photo. I walked into the back room and I could smell aftershave everywhere. I said, Elijah, you're a bit young to shave. He says, oh, no, no, no. This is my dad's aftershave. I just want to remember my dad. I don't want to forget my dad. I turned around and walked away. The tears began to flow and that's easy for me. I cry over anything, but, but this is a bit deeper than that. I didn't want him to see me because I didn't want him to see me sad, but he saw me. And he said, no, no, don't cry. Heaven is our home. Don't cry, no, no. Heaven is our home. He's 12 years old now. Got bullied at school. But can I read to you? I I wasn't planning it. see if I can find it. But uh, he was being sort of picked on at school. And he wrote this, or talked to his mum about this and she sent me the message. Mum and I were in the car talking about having your own story that you hold on to when times are tough. When things are going bad and you question, is God real? You need to have your own God revelation. I realised God was saying to me all week, Jeremiah 29.9. I didn't know it was God speaking because everyone says Jeremiah 29.11. So I asked my mum to read her Bible on her phone and then I read it. God, you've given me this scripture, Jeremiah 29, 9. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. When I was at Keithcot Primary School, kids used to say to me that the church was playing with my mind and that God never existed and he couldn't be real. They also said that I was being delusional. God's given me this scripture so I don't have to doubt anymore. I know that he's real and I only need to listen to his voice. 10, 9, 10 years old. Lost his dad. Still has a hope. I asked him yesterday whether he still believes that. He goes, yes, I do. I said, one day I'm going to take you with me and you can tell people the story. How can you in the midst of such pain? No dad around. Still have a hope that this world can't give you. And yet... During the time of Chris's passing, there were four words that came into my mind that have become realities that I live. If you're taking notes, you need to write them down. Sit, I'm not telling it, it sounds like I'm telling the dog to sit, you know. Sit, stand, sing, serve. Sit, stand, sing, serve. So if you know there's a time in all our lives where we just sit in our disappointment and we don't know what on earth is going on. There's a time in all our lives where we just sit and go, what on earth happened there? And I'm going to tell you when Chris passed away, yes, I did get mad at God for a few minutes. Why didn't you save him? Why didn't you deliver him? He was doing your work, God. He was being a youth pastor at a youth camp. God gave me the opportunity a few days before he died. He never came to our church on a Sunday because he was a pastor at another church. And the Sunday before he passed, they had a Sunday off at their church and he drove me to church that Sunday, the last time we were together. I said, Chris, I love you. Maybe we should do Route 66 together because we both love cars. Maybe we should do this or do that. And he goes, Dad, it doesn't really matter. I'd love to do it, but my life's in God's hands. On the way home, he told me that he loved me. I didn't know that was the last time I would ever speak to my son. And I'm thinking, God, why? And there's a time in all our lives where we're gripped by doubts. But something I could not shake was that I knew too much about God to have unbelief. You see, you can't do God through other people. You've got to know him for yourself. And because I knew God for myself and he had done things in my life, 10 promises he gave me when we planted our church that came to pass. Never told me my son was going to die, but the promises he gave me did come to pass. Miracle after miracle, sitting in my office and getting drawn to go and visit someone, turn up at their doorstep and I didn't even know where they lived. But I knew the suburb and I found the house. And as I knocked on the door, they opened the door and said, how did you know? We were just asking whether we could find a way to see you. Not church-going people. And I could tell you story after story, driving down South Road, looking at the Renella markets, and a voice inside of me says, that's your building. We had no money, but within a few months we were in that building and the rest is history. So I realised that I could sit in my doubt and fear, but at some point, I couldn't stay there. But the beautiful thing is that when you sit in your doubts and your fear, God brings other people around you to carry you when you can't carry yourself. One of our pastors came to my house with a book from a man called Nicholas Walterstorff, who is a Bible teacher. Lost his son. His son was 25 years of age. Died in a mountain climbing accident. I couldn't read the Bible because I was too scared. But I read this book because I thought this man will understand. He lost his son. And this is what he wrote. The pain of the no more outweighs the gratitude of the once was. Will it always be so? I didn't know how much I loved him. Until he was gone. Is love like that? When we're all together, we're not all together. Job chapter 7 says he will never come to his house again. His place will know him no more. It's hard to bury a child because our parents belong to our past, but our kids belong to our future. Does enduring while crying not require as much strength as never crying? We don't need to mask our suffering. I shall look at the world through tears. Perhaps I shall see things that dried-eyed I could not see. And while I don't have it all worked out today, I realised that God wasn't mad at me for being in a posture where I couldn't do anything but just sit in my pain. But God brought other people along and one day I received a book in the mail by a man called David Schaefer, who's an evangelist who lost his wife and his daughter His daughter was on RPA and she was on the operating table and the operation went well, but something else took her life. Having an organ transplant. He loses his wife and his daughter and one night as an evangelist, he goes, I don't know what to do. And someone said, oh, there's a crusade on on the Gold Coast and there's a guy with a funny Italian name. Danny, if you go to Google, it'll be Guglielmuxki. And I was speaking on the Gold Coast and he walked in and I was doing a series of messages on Mark chapter 2 where four nameless, faceless guys took a crippled man to the house where Jesus was. And I'd been preaching that night that we all crippled sometimes. It might not be physical, but it can be spiritual, emotionally, mentally, the loss of a dream. And I remember saying, you know, there are four kinds of people in the church. Some people in the church never want to get on the stretcher. They don't want to tell you they're broken because you might reject them. Thank God those days are gone. And the church is welcoming broken people because Jesus would rather have you broken than not have you at all. And when he has you broken, he can make you whole. Some people never want to get off the stretcher. Some people never want to get on. I know people that will create problems so the church will be there for them because they don't want Jesus, they want you. And that can really be a challenge for pastoral care. In fact, we started a whole pastoral care program in our church on this passage of scripture. Who needs to get on the stretcher? Who needs to get off the stretcher? Then other people carry the stretcher because if I'm in leadership, everybody thinks I'm strong. And on the inside, you could be falling apart. And then there's those that know that Jesus didn't die on the cross, so they were forever on a stretcher. But there are times we need one. And when we get off, we'll get a breakthrough and land at the feet of Jesus, just like that man did. And I remember preaching this message, and now he sends me a book that he's written based on this kind of teaching. And writes me a note, dear Danny, now that you are in so much pain yourself, will you take a leaf out of your own preaching, a leaf out of your own book, and let us carry you? It's okay, we can carry you. I know, again, my cousins, family, many in this church have just been there for us when we didn't know what to say or do. And so there's a time when we sit and doubt is not the same as unbelief. We can all have doubts. But I didn't have unbelief because I knew too much about God. And that's why, number two, I can stand again. You see, I can stand again In the midst of all my pain because of all that I do know about God. I can't exchange what I don't know for all the things that I do know because they outweigh what I don't know. I'm never going to be able to take the God of the universe and put him in my understanding. And our son, Chris, used to say, Dad, if we can put God in the fullness of our understanding, he stops being God. Try telling a two-year-old why she shouldn't hold a sharp knife. They won't fully understand. And here we are, created beings trying to understand the God of the universe. We'll never understand everything. But we can understand enough to know that he's real, to know that he speaks today, to know that he leads today. And I remember saying to God, and I'm not embarrassed to tell you, God, I don't know where to start in my Bible because if I open up and I find a psalm that says you're my protector I come you didn't protect Chris. But what I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to go to Psalm 39 because Chris was 39 years old. And I'm going to read Psalm 39. Hope you don't mind, Lord. It's not open your Bible and put your finger in. It was just, I don't know where to turn. As I got to Psalm 39, this is what it says. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Chris was 39. Shortly after, because I journal every day of my life, I try to journal. My Old Testament scripture was Deuteronomy 29:29. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We're not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. I knew when God called me. I knew the day at Victoria Square when I got on the bus. One of the pastors from paradise had come into the menswear and said, we believe God's called you into full-time ministry and you need to get a word from God for yourself I had a big, big Bible that I used to read on the bus. I used to to get on at Victoria Square and I'd be asleep by the time I got to North Terrace. Our stop at Ingle Farm was the third last stop. Many times they would have to wake me up at the last stop and I'd have to walk home because I'd miss getting off the bus because I would sleep. But this particular day I got on the bus and they used to have bus tickets in those days. And as I got my bus ticket, there was a saying on the back. And it said, whatever's round the corner, God's already there. My scripture on the, on the bus, and I didn't sleep this night, was Isaiah 41, nine. When you go through the waters, I'll be there. Do not fear, I have chosen you from your mother's womb. I thought well, that's good because I can't swim, so <laughs> must be God. And so on and so on and so on that I realised I had to stop sitting and I had to stand again on the things that I knew about God. And then number three, I had to sing again. Now, singing is not singing with our voice. Singing is a posture. It's a posture of faith. It says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, writing it from prison to the Philippians. It doesn't mean you go around laughing and singing all day. I didn't feel like singing, but singing is a posture that says, though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. I would go to church and people didn't know what to do with us. People would come up and just say hello and walk off. They didn't want to upset us. I'd cry my eyes out during worship and people thought, oh, he's just touching God. Now, all I could see was my son's coffin and the day of the funeral. Sunday after Sunday. So why go? Because I want to rejoice, to rejoice every day. It's a choice because I know too much about God to walk away. You see, so I could stand again. I could sing again. I could sing again because we have eternal hope. You see, when Paul wrote to the Philippians from jail, he actually challenged them. He actually said, you guys, you need to get your act together. I appealed to Yoda and Syntyche. Now, she wasn't in Star Wars, but she might have (laughs) been. Because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. So Paul's writing from prison and he's going, you live in Philippi, but you, should, but you really are ruled by Rome. You are citizens of Rome and you are citizens of heaven. And because of heaven, do your life on earth with the accent of heaven. And he challenges them to do relationship well. Isn't it amazing when you get cancer, you want to fix all the broken relationships? Why do we have to wait to get cancer? We should carry the accent of heaven now. It says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's a choice to have a positive faith posture no matter what. And I realized I had to do that. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean you pray all day. It means you depend all day. You depend on God all day. God, anytime you can speak to me. You can tap me on the shoulder. I'm listening. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding. We want the peace of God. But we fight with one another and then we lose our peace and we blame God. Not here, but, you know, in other places, you know, in our families or whatever, in our workplaces. And I realised the church has lost its accent. If you go to my dad's place, you're not going to find him cooking dimsims in the kitchen. He's Italian. You're going to smell the sauce. You see the plastic flowers out the front yard. And, you know, there's an Italian living here. You see the big fence with the big white balls on the fence? Yeah, you know who's living there. Years ago, the Valiant was there too. That's gone now. See, his culture and his accent give him away. And as Christians, the church has lost its accent. I believe this is one of the many houses God is raising up in a new day to restore our accent back. The accent of what it means to love one another. What it means to rejoice even in the tough times. What it means to depend on God and pray without ceasing. So the peace of God that passes all understanding becomes our portion. And then we practice our faith. So the people outside of the family of faith go, they are real. They're not churchians, they are Christians. And I believe with all my heart that even though our journey has been very, very sad, and it's been very, very difficult, the last one is serve. I serve Jesus today because of the resurrection. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, then let's go and start a business together. We do a good job. We Italians could do a great job. We're not all Italians here today, but we could, do, we could all go and do a great, great job in starting different businesses. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, if he rose from the dead, then it's worthy to serve the living God. If the resurrection didn't happen, this is just religion today. But because of the resurrection, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.15 that he died and rose from the dead so we can serve him. What makes Christianity different than any other religion is we don't have a dead leader, but we have a living leader. His name is Jesus and he's alive today. And I can sit and I can stand and I can sing and I can serve because of eternity. Country and Western singer Loretta Lynn wrote a song, Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, But Nobody Wants to Die. She lost two children before she wrote that song. I'm writing a book at the moment called Singing in the Pain. Because sometimes you just got to sing in the pain. I serve God because I know him personally. I love him and because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we sit, we trust the sovereignty of God when there's no clarity. When we sit, we trust in his sovereignty, when there's no clarity. When we stand, we express our faith in the proven promises of God. When we sing, we show our resolve, I have decided to follow Jesus. And when we serve, we show we are citizens of heaven. Many of you know the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The lyrics are based on the last words of a man in Assam, North East India, who along with his family was converted to Christianity in the middle of the 19th century through the efforts of a Welsh missionary. Called to renounce his faith by the village chief, the convert declared, I have decided to follow Jesus. In response to threats to his family, he continued, though none go with me, still I will follow. His wife was killed. He was executed while singing the cross before me. The world behind me this display of faith is reported to have led to the conversion of the chief and others in the village the formation of these words became a hymn written by a man called or because of the story of a man called sadhu sunday Singh. sit stand sing serve i have no other choice i don't want another choice if God could trust. You know, Job lost 10 kids, eh? People say, oh yeah, but he got 10 new ones. Well, he never got his first 10 back and he still had to grieve them. But I've read so many scriptures while I've been sick that I realise it's all worth it in the end because of eternity. My grandson, Zeke, was 14 years old when his dad died. He wrote a letter to his dad in heaven. Everyone who is looking at this post right now, I want to ask a favour, please. Cherish your fathers, not just today, but every day. Don't take them for granted. Cherish every moment you spend with him. Make jokes, build Lego, read stories, watch movies. Do whatever you like to do with your dad because he won't always be there. I only had my dad for 14 years. He passed before he turned 40 and I wish I'd spent more time with him. I wish that I'd treasured him more. I wish he didn't go. I've written a poem for him and I'm sending it up to heaven for him to read. It's called My Father and it's about me having a conversation with my dad about him leaving us and going to heaven and I'd like to read it. Please, my father, I beg you to stay. Don't worry, Zeke, we'll meet again someday. Help me, father, I'm so upset. You were someone I'll never forget. Come, my father, we need you here. Don't worry, Zeke, I'm always near. Hey, my father, why'd you go? God has his reasons, you'll never know. Dear my father, you're forever in my heart. From this day forward, we will never drift apart. Goodbye, my father. You were my own. It's okay, Zeke. Daddy's home. Breaks your heart. But grateful for the hope. Grateful for the hope of eternity. Eight months ago, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I went from being told I had cancer to Sharon and I being asked what we would do if they had to put me on life support and whether to turn the machine off or not. You see, they were about to give me blood transfusions and didn't know if I'd react. 24 blood transfusions later, there were moments I thought I was going to see heaven But in the midst of all that blackness, there was a peace I couldn't describe. That peace that I spoke about out of Philippians was no longer a sermon. It was my substance. It was so deep I couldn't shake it. His presence was amazing. And his purpose never left me. Even though I wasn't in a pulpit for eight months, God gave me a platform. One of my surgeons who came into the hospital to look after me asked me about my son's death and I showed him the last sermon my son had prepared to preach. Tears in his eyes. He said, my dad died this year. I've got to go home to visit my mum. She lives outside of Australia. I want to give her the hope you've got. He said, do you pray for me? surgeon. He said to me, do you pray for me? I said, yes, I do. The man came to bring the food after he left. He said, are you Pastor Danny? He said, yeah, I am. I used to go to your youth group years ago at Paradise. I don't go to church anymore because my life is full of addictions. I don't know what to do anymore. I hate myself. Talked about how he doesn't want to live. With tubes in my arms, there's a lot worse than me out there, so I'm not trying to be self-serving here. I'm telling him about the hope that he can return to. I got to meet Peter only a few days after I got out of hospital. He's here today. Love you, Pete and Maria. And heard about his journey. And I realise you don't need a pulpit like this. When every one of us is the church off of this pulpit and on a platform of opportunity every day to speak with our accent and be a people of love, continuance and fruitfulness. My prayer today, I wonder if the musicians can come and if we can bow our heads in prayer is that whatever you're going through today, maybe you are fighting an incurable situation. Maybe you've been given a wrong or a terminal diagnosis. If we can settle the issue of eternity, then everything else is a bonus from there. I could honestly say to you that if it was my time to go, I was ready. There was no fear. There was no darkness. There was no overwhelmingness. It was just, God, I trust you. God, I don't want to die. I wasn't pessimistic. I don't want to die. I want to live. And I believe you've put a message in my heart. But if it's my time, I guess I'll see my son. But that was a bit selfish because i got a wife and grandchildren and people here that need me to be around. So I said, God, you wake me up in the night with messages. I'm in hospital with tubes in my arms and I'm waking up with messages, putting them on my phone. And I realised I had more to do. But I said, whatever. I trust you. The greatest act of faith is saying, God, I trust you. Because I don't have religion today. I don't have a worldwide ministry that looks at me. The more you go through stuff, the more you want to hide from being seen, but you want Him to be seen. I want to take this opportunity to thank those of you that have known me for 30 years or more. I want to thank you for still standing there today and honouring Jesus. I've served God in another part of the body of Christ up till now. Now I'm free to move around the body. And to be here this morning is an honour for me because I've always loved my roots. And I've always loved where I came from because God makes no mistakes. But if I can be a small encouragement to you today, it's worth it. So maybe if we can bow our heads in prayer. And maybe you are here today and you don't have that sense of eternity in your heart. You don't have that sense, if I was to die, I know where I'd go. Because if I was to die two minutes after this meeting, and I hope it doesn't happen, but I know where I'm going. And you can't just have that knowledge in your head. You've got to know it in your heart and in your soul and in every part of you. And if you say, Danny, I, I don't want to be religious, but I want that peace. I want that presence. I want that sense of purpose. All that happened in the hospital and since. Is that my purpose never left me. Without a pulpit, I still had a platform. God has a platform for you. He has a peace for you. He has a presence for you. But you have to surrender and say, Jesus, I'm not a spiritual guinea pig you experiment with. I'm your child. And I surrender my life to you. And if you've never had that peace, and today you go, God, I want that peace in my heart. While every head's bowed and every eye closed, it starts by asking Jesus. To come and make his home with us by forgiving our sins and taking away the blockages and becoming our friend. If that hasn't been your experience, but you want it to be today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand and I'm going to pray for you today. Is there someone today? Lift it up high and I'll see it. And I'm going to pray for you today. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? I just felt, yeah, thank you, God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. That's very, please, we're not going to embarrass you. Thank you, God bless you. This is not coming to a lucky dip. This is not coming to a free special or, you know, this is believing that God is who he said he is and responding by accepting him and then walking with him from there.